Hello, friends, and welcome to a tradition unlike any other. So it's the 9th of April. We had a little bit of kind of technical difficulties. We had um, another guest that we planned to come on, but um, the, the show must go on without a doubt. And we have Andrew Goodman um, from Brewhoop here this, this afternoon. It's a guy I really wanted to get on for kind of the last year. Um, kind of uh, missed kind of the first round of guests, so I apologize, Andrew, for that. But, uh, you know, Brew Hoop, SB Nation, uh, many other places. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks again for having me on your pod. And, you know, I think you missed something big here. It's two Arizonans here on one pod, so I don't know if this can, you know, this will be tolerated here. Yeah, no, right. And, and that was kind of the thing. So, so hey, man, like, don't, don't take this the wrong way, because, I, I mean, I, I think probably and possibly this is just me, but I think the unfortunate nature of some aspects of Buck's Twitter is that in your head, like, people are just sort of categorized as friends or foes, kind of, in a way. And until, and, and I, don't, I don't think I totally made the connection until uh, I think you reached out first, that it was like, oh, you're that guy. Oh, and he'd be like, hey, man, hey, are you going gonna to be at the game? Or, or hey, yeah. I, maybe I can, and, and then it was like, oh, hey, I can get you some seats, or hey, we can get down mm-hmm. lower. And, 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 I, and, and actually, I think I think the only time we met was the kind of doomed Suns game from two years ago, right before COVID. Yeah, you know what's crazy? That was the game before, because I remember they went from Phoenix to Denver, and then after the Denver game, that's where you know crap kind of hit the fan. So yeah, that was definitely the doomed Sun, Suns game. I remember that's where Giannis didn't play, and I think Devin Booker must have dropped like 30 in the first half. I don't even think he hit rim on any of his shots. It's a it's a and you were covering the game, so I'm, I'm sure it's right. a, a to- totally, totally different um, experience. There's some years uh, uh, going to the game, uh, you know, going to Talking Stick, where I'm able to follow the game and more into it. And there's other other years where just kind of the seeing people or pageantry or kind of walking mm-hmm. the halls kind of takes over. Um, that was certainly true in kind of the kid era. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and and but then also I mean it, it, the game became an expensive ticket at, at, at a certain point. It used to be lower bowl, sixty bucks was really going to do something, right? And uh, you know not not so much. Of course, you know who knows with tickets nowadays anyway. But but yeah, man. Um, I, you know, I'm personally I know no one's going to believe this kind of exhausted by kind of the narrative around the last couple of days. Although I've certainly been participating in it. But um, you got you got any takes you want to get off? Well, you know, I'm on vacation right now. So I woke up, I, I checked Twitter and I, you know, obviously I didn't watch the game yesterday, but I, you know, followed through, did some box score watching and, you know, I kind of the end result was kind of given at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chris Middleton, you know, it's just such a pulverizing topic on Buck's Twitter. You know, I feel like you either really like Chris Middleton or you really don't like him, but for me, I do like Chris Middleton, but, you know, I would be ignorant to say that his game doesn't have any flaws. And, you know, I'm really just diving into it head first here. But, you know, over the years, since, you know, the Bucks acquired um, Chris Middleton and that Brandon Jennings, you know, Brandon Knight swap, he was kind of just, you know, figured to be a throw in, you know, just that last piece, like, OK, here, you can have this, like, have fun, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. to you, to deny that, you know, he hasn't made strides to become, you know, a great player in the NBA. You know, that's false. But, you know, his game you know, like I said, does come with flaws. And I think for me, the biggest, my biggest issue with Chris Middleton, and I saw you kind of touch on this on Twitter um, earlier this morning, was that it's really easy 
to, you know, knock him out of the rhythm, obviously. Like, he's not going to be as great without Giannis uh, helping create for him. But for me, with Chris Middleton, something that he really struggles with are, you know, defenders who, you know, are pesky and who are um, aggressive, who are handsy, you know, who are strong. I just feel like, you know, defenders like that, you throw that at Chris Middleton, he kind of, you know, shies away. And we've seen, like, in the first two years of Mike Budenholzer, really loved getting Chris Middleton involved in the action early, getting him off to a hot start. This season, you know, obviously getting Drew Holiday does, you know, alter things and how you work offensively. But it just this year seems different with Chris Middleton in kind of a negative way. So my biggest thing with Chris Middleton, like I said, is anytime he has a physical defender on him, you know, we saw it with James Ennis in the postseason last year. You know, you might not think of James Ennis as a great basketball player, but James Ennis really got under his skin super, super aggressive with him and I just feel like if a defender is going to be like that with Chris Milton then you can just book it as him you know kind of just I don't want to say quitting but just you know throw him off a rhythm well and, and I think too all of these things kind of be like turn into kind of the narrative about the narrative about the about the narrative I'm not mm-hmm. I'm really I'm really not going to do a Chris rant this week guys I'm just <laughs> not I'm, I'm just I'm just topped off and it's 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 frankly kind of frustrating so you end up talking about what people are talking about and not actually the player or what's going on. I, mm-hmm. I had kind of a half-baked take a couple of episodes ago. And this last game kind of blew it out of the water a little bit because obviously that was the different. But the kind of the, the number of shots thing. And I just kind of had in my head and and a possibly slightly more refined take is that if there are X amount of shots like that are Chris Middleton, perfect amount of shots. Some games it's like 8, sometimes it's 12, sometimes it's 14. If it's 10... I just feel like most games he's going to go six out of 10 for those shots. Mm-hmm. And the problem with being the second banana, the third banana, kind of whatever else is you got to take all those other shots too. And so he mitigates some of that stuff by trying to get to the line and doing other kind of things and, and being the quite above average passer that he's kind of become when he's not turning mm-hmm. the ball over. But I, I just think, I, I don't think, see, I have certain indictments about the NBA as a kind of what the NBA has become with what all the great players are doing. And I think it's, it's kind of interesting. Like Luca, Luca is a perfect example of this. Like, I think we're way above schedule for people criticizing Luca. I feel like if Luca had kind of emerged in 2016, he'd have been kind of uncriticizable, but, but people are like, wow, he whines and kind of the flopping. He's kind of like, people kind of figured out really, really quick, or maybe it's just people's aversion to like kind of Harden players. They're like, well, he's kind of like Harden, isn't he? You know? And, and yet we're in kind of year eight of, look, I'm talking about Chris, but we're in like kind of year eight of this guy. And, and I just think, I just think he's a really solid NBA player who's risen to the level of his own incompetence. And if he's hot, he's going to give you 25 points and it's going to be one, you know, some of the most electric 25 point games that you've ever seen. But like, that's not enough given the inflationary number of scoring, it, it, yada, yada, yada. What I did actually want to ask you about. Because I think Buck's Twitter is, and if I if I had a podcast a couple of games ago, not that the last couple of games prove anything, the Drew thing made me a little bit uncomfortable. And this is not the contrarian take. We had to sign him. I'm fine with the money. Mm-hmm. This podcast is about a lot of different things, but on some level, it's kind of ended up being about how Buck's Twitter is always wrong. And um, the fawning for people on the Drew, like Drew Holiday got paid right in the peak. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not about the Kings game. People are like, well, Bledsoe got, got paid after the Kings game. It's it's not about that. But I did think, I did feel like 
three or four monster games going into a contract. And then all of a sudden kind of the memes are out like, oh, actually, he you know, Anthony Davis was holding him back and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, it's like, hey, we signed him in the offseason. You guys, you guys know who he is, right? He's 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 another borderline all star player. So but I don't know. But how do you feel about the Drew deal? Yeah, for me, you know, that is 41. I believe it's uh, 40, something like that. It's it's a lot of money, whatever. Ton of money. But for me, the biggest thing here with Drew Holiday is you're paying for the fit. And obviously, you know, first season in a Bucks uniform, like obviously, you know, uh, how much he's elevated this team, you know, offensively and defensively. He's opened up, you know, new avenues for the Bucks offensively. Not really minding the money because, like I said, it's fit. So it makes sense in that regard. But yeah, you know, Drew Holiday in the past, he has had great playoff series. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes people forget that he does have a tough time staying on the basketball court. I believe he is an injury prone player that, you know, no knock on Drew Holiday. And we all know how great of a basketball player he is. But yeah, you know, for me, Bucks Twitter is, you know, I met a lot, a lot of cool people off Bucks Twitter for sure. You and some other people from Cream City Central, Al, Jeremy Wazrick, you know, great people to talk to talk basketball with but for me it just seems like bucks twitter as a whole it's just you know just loves being kind of sort of miserable you know like feeding off players who aren't playing well i don't know if you agree on this but anyway i'm kind of going off on a tangent here but yes i do agree with you go for it that's that's what that's what that's what this is go for it i do agree with you that these memes about you know drew holiday you know is anthony davis holding back like okay like Let's calm down. Those um, Pelican teams, when you look at it, they did have Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, which, you know, if you have those two players now on the same team, you know, you're contending for a championship. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're just ignoring some, you know, some of the obvious aspects of, you know, why that didn't work out in New Orleans. Well, I think, too, and, and I've railed on this the last couple of episodes, and it, it, I'm not here to call anybody stupid. I will call some people kind of inexperienced, but it mm-hmm. just it just becomes the thing of, and I'm not going to name names here, but there there are certain people with tons of followers or bots or far more than me, right? And it, and it becomes the kind of the thing. It's like okay, so Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday had a bunch of good games that I was very excited about, and then got the contract, and then people are like digging up his best playoff games and like mm-hmm. turning him turning them into like kind of twit video threads and stuff like that. And I was like, you guys, you know, we got him in the offs, you know, we traded for him, you know, four months ago or whenever. Right. Like, but it's just like, Oh, look at this. Drew holiday had 27 points shut, you know, shut down Dame, blah, 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 star. People say he is an elite. And I'm like, Hey, this isn't helping. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. This isn't helping at a certain level. This we're talking about a, a very good player who can apport, uh, can approach borderline greatness. Um, I, I'm not, I'm positive to the deal because it would have it just would have been a complete failure if somehow this wasn't already a handshake deal given the picks and all this kind of stuff like that. But it, there's something about it. Like I've seen this movie too many times where I'm like, uh, is is this really going to be enough? Right. I think that's a great point. And for me, the biggest like looking at the bigger picture, if you can't win a title with prime Giannis, then, you know, really, you don't deserve to win a title at all. And yes, I also do not mind giving up first round draft picks, even though they gave up a ton of draft capital. I know people will, you know, feel differently about draft picks, but for me, if you have a transcendent superstar, like superstar, like Giannis and a player we really haven't ever seen before in terms of like size, length, and just pure dominance. And, you know, some guy who just started playing basketball when he was 17 or 18, you know, you'd 
really shouldn't care about draft picks if you have a guy like Giannis. You're going to have to push it to the limit, you know, shell out a, you know, a lot of money. You know, they did. They signed Chris Middleton to a lot of money. You know, you don't need me to tell you that to sign Drew, Drew Holiday to a ton of money. But I think, honestly, we're talking about, you know, the Bucks' best moves here. I think you have to look at Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes. And when you yeah. talk about how well the both of them have played this year, you know, they have a ton of money tied up to those three guys. You know, what's, you know, down the road going to look like? And, you know, DiVincenzo, I think, has one more year left on his rookie deal. They'll be able to match. You know, it just, if the Bucks aren't going to win the title, you know, this year, next year, what's what's it going to look like down the road? You know, because I really don't think they can afford to bring back Brent Forbes and Bobby Portis because Bobby Portis is having just all around fantastic career just absolutely money from deep and just basically anywhere all over the floor he's just money i'm starting to think too i'm wondering about portis um he he was in the draft class i'm blanking on the name now he was in the draft class with a couple of draft class 14 15 with um who am i thinking of who was the knicks all-star julius randall um, Randall, um, Zach Levine was kind of around that time period. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we know about Jabari. I, I'm kind of wondering if the game changed for a lot of these guys who played a certain kind of way in high school and college, and then the NBA game flipped and all the big men were gone. And these guys who were like, like Beasley was probably a couple of years too late for this, but there were these bucket getter guys who became minimized because they weren't like the, the number one pick in the draft. Like if you're the number one pick in the draft or, you know, you know, like a really highly touted player, you can kind of do whatever you want, but everybody else had to just kind of do, you know, layups and threes. But Portis is so skilled and seeing what's happened with Zach Levine and Randall, I'm not predicting it, but like his shot is bottom of the net butter. And like, like on some level, like it's, it's not even so much the threes. He steps into 16 footers and, and yep. si- shot sideways and everything. He, he, he's got just a really smooth stroke. And I'm I'm not saying he's an all star, but I'm kind of wondering if if Bobby Portis randomly was the number three pick in the draft, if we'd all still be looking at him and there'd be a lot of Bobby Portis stock. Because in the NBA, you kind of he kind of got caught in that get traded a bunch of times, go to a mm-hmm. bunch of bad teams kind of thing. And now defense is another thing. And it's this is not actually even I've been pretty neutral on Brooke Lopez the entire season. I'm not like mm-hmm. too hot or too cold on him, but I, I just I, I'm I'm really positive. The Brent Forbes thing now, obviously, the Brent Forbes thing is something else, but Portis. Right. Like, like I'd be furious. Like, I, I, like if we don't resign, if we don't resign Portis, I really feel like he'll be on the Lakers next year. He'd be one of these guys who's constantly in the second round with the Nuggets or with the Heat, and you'll just be like, "Oh, it's Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis got a ring. Bobby Portis is." And, and I just, mm-hmm. I want that. It was kind of the Brogdon thing, also. It's like I just want that kind of player. I think he's a playoff rotation guy, and and I, yeah, I even kind of wonder what the Heat would have looked like with him. Well, also the thing I love with Bobby Portis, you know, you mentioned how. It just bottoms anywhere off the court. I think he's also great in the paint. He has like that little running push shot, you know, just really yeah. soft touch around the rim. I also think he's improved as the season's gone on as an um, interior defender. You know, he's never going to be an elite NBA, uh, you know, paint defender. But, you know, when you think of Bobby Portis, the my problem with um, how basketball is covered as a whole is, you know, now social media just cares about who can dribble the ball in between their legs, you know, the most and get to the rim, yeah. you know, like I think this is the biggest problem with how basketball is covered. If your game doesn't revolve around just dunking on people every game or having sick handles and you're not going to be 
they're not going to be covered as much, which I, which is why I think Bobby Portis around the league is regarded as one of the more underrated um, players in the NBA. But I think he's really, you know, you just touched on it, a postseason guy. I also think he's, you know, exactly what the Bucks were missing in the fact that, you know, Bobby Portis is a real, real tough dude. I would not want to get in, in a fight with that man, you know, if my life no. depended on it. And he's going to be a guy in the postseason. like a sneaker. Guys, right. You know, he's going to be a guy in the postseason that, you know, the game changes if, you know, someone's going to, we've seen teams bully the Bucks in the past and they just, you know, they just flop, they just fold, you know, that's it. They don't, they're not the aggressors, but you know, a guy like Bobby, regardless of the score, he, regardless of the score, he's going to be an aggressor up 20, down 20, you know, he's just going to be mean mugging, going to be up there on the bench, you know, jumping and cheering. So he just, just a really great guy to have on the roster. And it's really what the Bucks have been missing the last few years. It's just that really tough, hard-nosed dude who just won't take crap from anyone. Yeah, no, totally. And so it'll be fun. And again, I, I don't know about you. I just kind of want to like this team. And this is why all conversations end up going back to Chris. Cause I don't mm-hmm. like, I don't like watching him play basketball and I question his integrity some of the time, but I also right. think he's, he's being asked to do things that maybe he it's, it's always so difficult. I mean, it, again, it becomes, it becomes the thing, like the thing I think, what makes me apoplectic more than many other things is people who should know better being like, I can't understand this Chris hate. I don't understand. And it, to me, it's the most understandable thing in sports. It's Kirk Cousins. It's the guy who's it's it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's it's the guy who's good enough some of the time, but it's hard to evaluate. You know, it's it's the it's the field goal kicker who, you know, isn't going to make the 47 yard field goal when it's on the line, like wherever the analytics say, you're like, ah, and it's like, basically, I don't trust that dude. And I don't trust Chris. And it makes it difficult. I'm not actually mad if other people do or, 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 you know, do or do not. That that's like kind of neither here nor there, but there's very much um, with this team. and, And let's be honest, this, this is, we're also talking about Giannis too. The team was the team betrayed us in a lot of way for it being such a, a beautiful couple of years. It, it was such a like I mean, twenty nineteen, everyone played hard and mm-hmm. and everything, and and they just choked. But other than Chris kind of stopping shooting, everyone was everyone was flying on the floor doing the best that they can. Right. Shots were missed. I can live with that. Twenty nineteen, yeah, the bubble was weird, but you can't lose four or five to the Heat. You, you know that. You know, I yeah. I agree. I agree. And all I'm going to say is, you know, this postseason, it's huge for Chris, even though he's tied up to a contract. I feel, you know, if you have this post, let's say, whatever, failure this postseason, I'm I'm not, you know, I don't have any inside sources or anything like. So if the Bucks do fall short this season, what are they going to look? Are they going to look at, you know, are they going to fire Bud or, you know, what if Chris Middleton just, you know, bottoms out? You know, like you mentioned, 2019, everyone else was pretty much playing well, really, except Chris Middleton. You know, if that's the case, are they going to, is Middleton now like on the hot seat, which I think he should be on the hot seat if he does struggle again, you know, this postseason. So maybe they could look into another direction. And I don't think it's a hot take to say that Drew Holiday is, you know, the second most important player on this Bucks team. Because when you look at the overall impact Drew Holiday's had this season, you know, on both ends of the ball, you know, the Bucks are switching because they got Drew Holiday. You know, they have the dunker spot, you know, on offense because they got Drew Holiday. Well, yeah, and and I found it interesting that seemingly 
everyone kind of got, I'm not talking about you. Obviously you get all this stuff and whether you agree or not, it's not about agreeing or disagreeing. And right. I, I kind of wanted to have you, one of the reasons I kind of wanted to have you and pencil on together, uh, pencil, um, Ben, Ben, um, Sewell was going to come on with us. He'll probably come on with us a couple weeks from now. Uh, it's cause I thought you guys were probably a little bit on, on the Chris positive side, which, which is good. I, I'd like to kind of hear all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, the actual question is not, not to be cliche. The question is how good is he? It's not, I hear Ty Wynn just says this a lot too, where they're just like, Hey, look, I'm saying he's got to be better. And I'm like, uh, the question is how good can he be? You know, because like you said, it, it, I feel like the other night everyone was like, well, um, Drew is just dominating the game and he's doing this. And, and it was like, yeah, but at the end of the game, you know, Drew, Drew had 25 points. Chris had 21 points, but everybody was like, wow, his 25 points is so much more impactful. It's just like, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's, that's sports. It's not necessarily just, just how much you score. Right. But, but I, I just want to like this team. This team isn't going to win the title this year. Um, I, I just want to root for the team and, 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 you know, get my money's worth, but I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah. You know, I've, like you said, I've always been the Chris Middleton, quote unquote, stand. I've become a little more. Well, I don't. I don't think you're a stand. I, I wouldn't say because because like the other guys who you know Nathan Marzion or whatever. Is yeah, a I know like, exactly these right. other these other guys yeah, are stands <laughs> or, or, or whoever else. I mean, I don't know. Like you know, like I feel like when you know Shafty and these guys were stands. I mean that that's fine. Some people I think were just, you're just positive. I mean, Chris positive is Chris positivity. I mm-hmm. wish I could be positive about it, but <laughs> I cut you off. Good. No, it's it's all good. Look, I like Chris Middleton as a player, but I think what we see is what we're going to get. I don't think Chris Middleton, you know, I don't see any scenario where he's going to be much better than what he is right now. So I think really for the Bucks to win the title, it's just going to be have to be it's going to have to be their big three. You know, yeah. you know, now yeah. obviously having Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis off the bench is a lot better than, you know, having Sterling Brown and Kyle Korver come off the bench, but you know, for the Bucks to win the title, get through Philly, get through Brooklyn, it's going to be those three guys, Giannis, Chris, and Drew. They're all going to have to come to play. They're all going to have to, you know, score buckets and, you know, lock down defensively. And, you know, if one of the, one of those three falls short, odds are, you know, the Bucks aren't going to go very far in the postseason. So there is there is a lot, of, a lot at stake going into this postseason. I mean, not necessarily, you know, players being traded wise but i think you know if they do fall short i do think that budenholzer will end up being the scapegoat even though i think mike budenholzer has you know done a pretty solid job at adjusting throughout the season than we've seen over the last two years where it's just drop coverage and just get absolutely you know bombarded on from three-point range and you know what you see is what you get (laughs) yeah yeah well, if I wanted to make the other case, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't care for people making this case too much. But to me, the best version of that argument is. These numbers are pretty close if they're not right. I think this is right. Um, Dante shot eight three pointers through three quarters last night. Mm-hmm. And and Chris has shot nine three pointers once this year. Chris has never taken 10 three pointers. And. If there was an offense constructed around him catching and shooting and, and kind of doing the Reggie Miller thing, run around a bunch of picks, run around the baseline, mm-hmm. or just kind of kind of more creative stuff. Because like you said, I think I I've I think Budenholzer is a solid coach. The question is, do we just need some kind of genius coach uh, to, to make this thing work? And, and maybe the answer is yes. But if I want to look, I, I just want him to take three pointers and then every once in a while 
you know, penetrate and then throw the alley-oop to, to Brooke. I mean, I, I like that. I like, I don't like the risk reward of the alley-oops he's throwing, but he'll, he'll crack off four or five really good passes in a row. And you're like, okay, great. And it's just the other times where they steal his money. As always, welcome to the Chris Middleton podcast where the host starts <laughs> out saying he's not going to talk about Chris Middleton, but all he does is talk about Chris Middleton. Anything else on the Bucks, man? Anything else on the Bucks? You know, tough times right now. I hate seeing, I hate seeing them lose, but just got to be patient. I'd rather, you know, lose the games now than, of course, in the postseason. It's all about, at this point in the season, it's all about getting the guys right. It's all about Giannis's knee getting healthy, you know. Hopefully, P, like, I have no idea what's going on with P.J. Tucker. I hope, you know, he can come back soon. Just kind of get, yeah. you know, legs under him going into the postseason. So, yeah, you know, just trying to be patient. But, yeah, last thing I'll say on Chris Middleton is what's so frustrating about him is we know how good he can be. But it's yeah. just... So he just, there are times where he just plays very lazy. It just checks out. Well, and I just think, and I'm sorry, and I'm doing it. Dude, I'm sorry, I'm doing it. No, that was my fault. I, I no, baited you into I'm, that. I, 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 no, because here's the thing, and this is the thing with sports, you don't have to agree with this, but I was kind of thinking about this, right? And this this is kind of the Mike McCarthy argument for such things, or, or you know, pick someone if you like. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a bell curve in sport. Like NFL coaches are kind of sometimes a good way to look at these things because NFL coaches, whether they're idiots or Belichick, tend to sleep in their office, right? And so we, there's a presumption of how hard these dudes are working because they're mm-hmm. just they're just all about football. They live, eat, and breathe football. And some of them are still idiots, right? So so on right. one end of the curve, you have like Spurrier with the Redskins, or like you know, kind of Rex, not Rex Ryan, which is the kid, the, Ryan's kid. Um, yeah, Rex oh, Ryan, um, right? Yeah, Rex Ryan. I'm, I was thinking um, of Buddy Ryan. Yeah, oh. yeah, Rex, yeah, Rex, whichever one was the dummy, right? But every <laughs> once in a while, every once in a while, you get somebody who really can't put it together. Right. But then there's just this great middle period. There's this great middle section of people who are who are putting in all the work, but 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 can't transcend that. And so when I say so, winning isn't a binary thing because everyone except for some people at the far end of the spectrum are trying to win. Uh, but the the psychopaths or the geniuses or mm-hmm. you know whatever combination of both the tiger woods and the jordans and the kobe's and all those guys are obsessed with winning and people who are just kind of trying to do their best they just don't transcend it and so it's not that chris or or, or eric when we had eric or or Giannis at points that's why that's why you know kind of the kid energy effort thing still just kind of rings because i think that jason kidd I don't want to call him a despicable human. He's probably done despicable things. We don't have to get into all that. But Jason Kidd knows what it takes to win in NBA basketball. Jason Kidd is an expert on the level of energy and effort needed to win. And that's I think that's the only thing he was ever right about. And and it still just kind of echoes that it's like it's not that he doesn't ever give effort, but this half, you know, ain't no, you know, halfway crooks. And so that's kind of what I struggle with with him. It's like it. Yes, it's the effort. But all of those guys, and I mean, really the history of the NBA, if you follow NBA or you read a bunch of NBA books, it's, it's always kind of the same thing. The season's a grind. Players get jealous of each other. People are jealous of money, women, gambling debts. Like there, there are things that divide you. Like um, this started out as kind of the last dance podcast. And like the 91 Bulls really weren't getting along right up until they won mm-hmm. that first title. <laughs> you know, right. it's like because because there's only so much money in management and blah, blah, yep. blah. And, and so I just think. Like, 
Jabari was really Jabari was doing the same lazy stuff as everyone else, but it was like Chris was twenty percent less lazy than Jabari, right? And Malcolm was like maybe five percent less lazy than that. And Eric was mm-hmm. probably not lazy, but but probably more head in the clouds. You know, it's just like it, it just wasn't a recipe for winning. And it, I don't know, it's the Bucks, though, right? But I mean, the playoffs are right. coming up. I don't know how much we're going to learn about tonight. Anyway, I don't think anyone's playing. No, I think literally half that roster is not playing. Tonight, but it's interesting you bring up Jabari Parker and, you know, just super, super sad story all around. You know, I think taking Jabari number two was, you know, the clear cut choice at that time. Joel Embiid had, you know, humongous red flags regarding injury. You know, obviously he's still yeah. very injury prone and we all know what happened to Jabari. But I really think that if Jabari stayed healthy, that he and Giannis could have coexisted. I mean, just the amount of times we saw those flashes together, it's just really sad, you know, like we don't all know the work that Jabari does, you know, off the court for the community and all that stuff. It's just really sad. Jabari's a guy that deserves to succeed, but you know, life just isn't fair. Well, I, you know, what's, what's so interesting about that too, cause I don't think I didn't, none of us have watched him play, but again, Jabari Parker, NBA father, man. And that goes two different ways, you know? Right. And, and, and I think, look, I'm not, a lot of stuff is his fault. And you can even say most. But I just kind of think, I thought that year, that last year, when Frank Madden was killing him on the podcast when he came mm-hmm. back after the second ACL, and rightfully so. But there were, but I just kept thinking, you know, NBA father, he's telling him, look, you got to secure the bag. You got to get that next contract. Don't, right. you know, don't be diving on the floor for anything, maybe in the playoffs. But he just, he was playing on the balls of his feet. And it was just, there was a really weird dynamic Um, I think this was the, I mean, you're the expert. I think this was the everyone from Philadelphia comes to protest Brogdon winning the uh, bunch of losers. Don't even get me started. Go for it. Bunch of losers. I agree. You know, I think there's a ton of toxic fan bases all around football, basketball, baseball. But when you talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, like when I think of Philadelphia 76ers fan, like I'm convinced all of them live in their mother's basement and are just, you know, I don't know if you, do you watch? Did you watch South Park, or did you ever watch South Park at any point? No, uh, when, when it, I know of it, I when it came. So out, basically, yeah. they <laughs> they did a spoof on World of Warcraft, and you know, all like Kenny Cartman, Stan, Kyle, all of them got together to defeat this. You know, one guy who was just you know, um, you know, messing with them and killing him in the game. And it's just funny because they had that little um, stereotype that people who play World of Warcraft are like fat and pimply and all that. And, like when you just think yeah. of Philadelphia seventy six was fan, like I just think. Like miserable people who just, I I just can't stand them. You know, like they're just even to their own, even to their own, you know, teams. They're terrible. Like terrible. God, I can't imagine being terrible to your not only other fan bases but to your own team. Like they stand above even Boston fans. Yeah. Like 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 Boston fans <laughs> look, look down their nose at Philly fans. It's just it's really something. Um, yeah. So anyway, that game. That game, I think that I think that's the one. If not, it was something that season where the Bucks came mm-hmm. back and win, and, and and Jabari maybe had like a ten point flourish or something like that, and he's like yelling at the bench, like, and I just always kind of thought he was yelling. That's what happens when you get me the ball, like, it, 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 like he was yelling, like he had mm-hmm. hit a couple of deep threes, and right. I, I somehow remember that as being like the John Henson game too, randomly or something. <laughs> the mean mug on Matt Barnes, never forget, right. Well, it, we want to talk about a guy who has made himself just kind of 
I don't know that you can tell the the story of of the Bucks and kind of this time period randomly without John Henson. He was great in that Bulls series, mm-hmm. and 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 Matt Barnes and just kind of other random stuff. He had he had a game winning tip in too at some point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I also remember like super random since we're talking about John Henson. Didn't he have like a huge like eighteen point twenty five rebound for assist game against the Magic? Like, I think that that I think yeah. that must have been Giannis's rookie year where Nate yeah. Walters was a starting point guard and Larry that was Larry Drew's first year as head coach. So where do you come down on, or do you care about kind of the elimination of kind of the classical big man? Oh, I think that's really unfortunate because at the time, you know, the Bucks had signed Greg Monroe, which at the time was like the biggest free agent signing in franchise history. Greg Monroe was probably one of the better post players in the NBA. We also saw Brooke Lopez, who was regarded as one of the better, you know, yeah. back to the basket type big men who just you know, went to LA and just decided, all right, I'm just going to start shooting threes. But I think that has to do with, I think Stephen Curry is one of the greatest basketball players to ever touch a basketball. So I think, I think Stephen Curry helped sort of revolutionize the game and turning it into a three point game rather than two point game, which basically I think that year Greg Monroe was signed was really like the last year of the traditional big man. I know I saw some stats, I think it was from 538 that really tries to disprove that you know, there's no more traditional big men. But if you really think about it, are there really any more traditional big men that are going to bang down low and give you 20 and 10 a game like there were no. back in the mid-2000s? Valanchunas was on – maybe he's on the Grizzlies or he's on some team like that mm-hmm. that the Bucks were playing. Maybe it's the Magic. I don't know. Some team like that. And I was I was sad for a moment. Like, like I don't spend a whole lot of time caping up for the big men, but it's like, oh, you used to matter. <laughs> you know, like Right, exactly. You, <laughs> you used to be the anchor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like a How big deal. change. Right, so they're like running backs in football. So hey, um, oh, here let me let me ask you something controversial. You don't have to sure. answer this. Yeah, you absolutely. Have, we will absolutely edit this out. But I have this. I've been I've been traveling and moving and doing kind of mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff. Of but I do ha- I do have a statement from your compatriot Kyle Carr. Oh, um, <laughs> um, so let's see if you have any comment on this. Okay. Um, here's what I'll say. We all know that redacted is a redacted who's also a bigot and quite frankly is redacted his redacted tweet isn't at all surprising coming from him now for his beef with brew hoop i don't know the full reason but quite frankly i don't redact it either he had a sad attempt to try and drag it down along with ty and rohan's podcast like i said you got to be smarter than me to fall for this trick Redacted got the attention he wanted and also redacted. Redacted hoped to drag things he hated with it, but he also simply needs to be ignored and take the oxygen to his redacted. But it also requires not letting his enablers off free as well. Andrew Goodman, do you have any comment on your um Yeah, I think <laughs> I think who we're the person we're talking about here, you know, like in the best way possible, it needs some help, okay? You, the internet is already just a cesspool of garbage as we all know, specifically Twitter. Anyone could go on there, create a persona, lie about who they are. But anytime I think you sort of build your persona on, you know, bigotry, just miserableness and, you know, bullying other people, like, in my opinion, it um, tells more about your own character than others. If, you know, you're spending this much time online, you know, bashing people and it's just like, come on, how old are we here? Like please like get a job, get a life. Seriously. You know, life's too short to do this. You know, I'm on Twitter, I'm not on Twitter to, you know, just, you know, I have rose colored glasses and everything's all sunshine and daisies, but you know, I'm not going to get on 
uh, Twitter and just, you know, bash someone and just because I can, you know, I'll do that in the brew hoop group chat I'm, or I'll keep it in the drafts, you know, but anytime you build your persona on this, like I said, it reveals a lot more about who you are as a person and your character and what you stand for. This is just the least shocking thing I have ever seen from him. I kind of missed the whole thing. So I was just like, Hey, what happened? And then I mm-hmm. kind of, kind of chatted on okay but th- thank you that's very very honest I'm, I'm not going to uh comment on it uh except i probably will ask you i asked riley had yeah. some really good stuff on this last time like what's your kind of general take on on the state of brew hoop which i still frequent quite a bit and it's still certainly my father's website of choice mm-hmm. um like uh, how do you how would you say you're doing you know i started brew hoop mike budenholzer's first year so this is year three for me now <laughs> funny actually <laughs> "Quote unquote," applied like two times before, and they were like, the know, new, "No thanks." The, the new, the nouveau reach, <laughs> right? Exactly. So it was a new reign, but um, I believe it was Greg ended up leaving. He did a lot of good stuff for Brew Hoop. I think he was in charge of the night shift, and I had reached out to, I believe, it, I sent an email to the Brew Hoop email, and basically was like, "Yeah, it was like my third time reaching out, like wondering if you're having any open spaces for contributors, yada, yada, yada." So. Long story short, three years later, here I am. Um, in terms of brew hoop, for me, the people there, you know, Adam and Mitchell, just super great people to work for. I've actually met Mitchell. He um, going to when I went to visit my brother in Austin, he came and met up with us. Just a super super nice, down earth um, person, and just you know, the contributors we have. Like, I'm not gonna say we're ESPN athletic, you know, caliber. We're gonna be running, you know, the sports world anytime soon. But for me, you know, I just want to foster, you know, a good community. And if you disagree with my articles, that's totally fine. Like, I love seeing what other people have to say. I love hearing different perspectives from other people. But when you're talking about Brew Hoop as a whole, I think, you know, obviously it's not going to be the same. You know, we had Eric Name. Well, obviously before I started, but Eric Name was there, the blog father, of course, um, I think Eric Benning was there for a little bit and also Dean. So, you know, I think Brew Hoop is a great, great place to, you know, interact with Bucks fans and whatnot, just, you know, just catch up on what's going on with the Bucks. But I don't, I think Brew Hoop's pinnacle was reached. Not to say, you know, Brew Hoop is cratered, but I think when you're asking about, you know, Brew Hoop as a whole, I think Brew Hoop's pinnacle has already reached. No, very well. I, I still very much enjoy it. Um, what 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 happened to that dude, Eric Bunning? Bunning? You know, I, I, I haven't heard that name in a long time. You know, I'm not sure. So, God, I remember I must have been like 14 years old. I'm 25 now. I must have been 14 years old. I think he was at Behind the Buck Pass. And I tried, you know, writing for Behind the Buck Pass. And someone put me into contact with him. And that was really like the only time I spoke with Eric. Um, I've seen his tweets. I think he's like really big into golf. I'm not sure if he's still pumping up basketball content, but I think he's just more of a Twitter Twitter guy now, if that makes sense. Okay. No, just that, none of my business. Well, I guess none of this is, but yeah, I was just like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. He, I think he reached out. You know what? He reached out to me. I think I did kind of a quick 
according to my standards, mm-hmm. like an, an easy video. You know, he's just like, hey, can you make a video for like when the Bucks, one of the times the Bucks were up 2 1 on the Raptors, like the first <laughs> time? Mm-hmm. And, and he threw, threw something together in a couple hours. But yeah, I forgot about that guy. Um, so, oh, well, real quick, um, do you have any Space Jam 2 thoughts before we start? Um, you know, I really haven't. I'm guessing you're in the demo. You're younger than me. I'm guessing you're in the demo for, for Space Jam 1. You know, when you're talking about Space Jam, nothing will ever top Space Jam number one. But I obviously understand, like, there was just so much, like, Space Jam is always going to be a hot commodity, you know? But when you're talking about a sequel of something, I just think it will never, ever, ever, in this case, we're talking about Space Jam. I don't think Space Jam 2 will ever, ever live up to Space Jam number one. I'm kind of annoyed because my prediction for, I mean, first of all, Space Jam 2 seems like it's been coming out for four years. We've been I know, right? Forever, right? And um, I was kind of disappointed that I was just sure once LeBron, when the first kind of LeBron had his school, I'm like, oh, this is going to feature his school. And I'm like, this is going to happen. Bronny's going to play in the third act. And from the trailer, it seems like an actor is playing his son and War Machine has kidnapped his son. I shouldn't call him. He's Don Cheadle. I shouldn't call him War Machine. He's not this stuff. But like, and 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 so it would seem that people's objections to it are that sometimes LeBron seems to be a cartoon. Sometimes um, the Looney Tunes are CGI to look kind of that Pixar kind of in-between kind of look. Uh, well, actually, you know what? To be fair, there's been all kinds of controversies. There's been the Lola Bunny controversy. There's been all kinds of stuff. Uh, but basically, um, to me, just kind of the idea of doing Space Jam 2 when you could have did everything else is like just kind of stolen valor just as an idea. But And, and the other thing, too, is kind of the, the Ready Player One aspect of it where it seems to be. I wonder if we'll ever get tired of just recycled IP on, on movie screens because, like, who's in it? Like, the, in the back, it's kind of one of those. Um... So you haven't seen the trailer at all. Basketball camp is next weekend. You got amazing potential on the court, and I can help you get there. That's not what I want, Dad. You never let me do what I want to do. You never let me just do me. Hold up, wrong floor. Bet Will Smith ain't got to deal with this. Dad! Down! What in the Matrix? Welcome King James. I am the king of this domain. This is the serververse. What'd you do to my son? Where's Dom? The only way you're getting your son back is if you and I play a little basketball. Pete, send this clown to the rejects. Wait. What is this? Ah! I'm a cartoon? What's up, Doc? Come on and ride, baby, ride! I need to assemble an elite team to help give my son back. I know what you're looking for. So shoot, baby, shoot! A dream team. Man, shoot the ball! Let's try that again, shall we? King James. Welcome to 
the Space Jam. Introducing the Goon Squad. You gotta win this game. Let's end this. Got you, Kron. And get our son back. <laughs> Classic. Welcome to the Space Jam. I'm going old school on his butt. Whoa. Welcome to the Space Jam. So, of course, is part of a, whatever we're calling this, our sports musical network theme Episode the Levitard clip of the week will also be um, kind of the OG intro. The um, many, many, many years. I don't know if when they went to ESPN proper, they just lost the licensing. Again, kind of mid early aughts. I think this one's from 2010 is kind of the best version of this intro as well. So um, enjoy. Attention. This is the Dan Levitard Show. Name of the station is Sports Talk 790 The Ticket. Dan Levitard. Anyone out there want to brush my teeth? Attention. Stugats. Yeah, I've got a lot of hair and acne as well. The top ten things Roy would like for his birthday. Number ten, Roy. White women. This is the real base. I've been misquoted. Attention. He's the velvet teddy bear. hi You eat it, Levitard. Attention. White women. So you're in all four hours tomorrow? All four hours. No PTI tomorrow. No PTI. Oh, okay, hold on. It's my show prep. Bass is pumping. I can't let the cat out of the bag. Is it some sort of requirement that you guys have to use some sort of cliche? Can we ban cliches from the program, please? No. But I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Where does that expression come from? What does that mean? I'm on it. Why is there a cat in a bag? Well, they used to transport cats in bags. And if you were the cat transporter, you didn't want to let the cat out of the bag. Because it's hard to catch again. And yeah, and you lose your money because you get paid, you know, per cat. Are you totally making that Completely up? Completely made that up. <laughs> I hate him. I hate him now. I've always hated him. And I'm going to hate him for the rest of my life. Clickety click, put you away. This is a bad mofo. Can we stage my death? I'm on it. White women. Scandal. Humongous. Here's Dan Levitard and Stugatz on Sports Talk 790, the ticket. I don't know, there was a cat transport business. I Cats don't know. used to be currency. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any Space Jam thoughts? Space Jam thoughts? Um, well, my thought really, you can't top the first Space Jam, of course, but this all ties back to kind of LeBron and... You know, a lot of people were like, LeBron's going to L.A., the Lakers, you know, the big boom in business scene, of course, in Los Angeles. You know, me being born and raised in L.A., that is undeniable. But I think part of this, <laughs> I think part of this is, this, this is going to the pot, I'm assuming. But yeah, well, just of, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Part of this is, you know, I think in the process of LeBron coming to Los Angeles, has kind of made him into this sort of insufferable kind of guy, which, you know, I know many people have different opinions on LeBron James, who he is as a person, who he is as a player. I've always been a huge, huge, huge LeBron fan. But in these last few years, ever since he joined, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers, it's just, 
I don't want to say this rubs me kind of the wrong way, but it kind of does because this will never, ever, ever even come close to gracing Space Jam number one. So I know before my internet come out, cut out, um, we were talking about Space Jam 2 and all that. I know Damian Lillard is involved in this, but I haven't really seen the trailer, nor do, nor do I really care for Space Jam number two. And I know there's a lot of huge Space Jam fans out there that have been waiting for this movie to come out. Like you said before, this has been, you know, almost four years in the making ever since LeBron really kind of decided to move out West. But for me, this is just super underwhelming and something that if I miss Space Jam 2, I really couldn't give two craps about, to be honest with you. What's interesting, I just watched the trailer just now, kind of while we had a little bit of technical trouble. Um, Really, really small objections. There's something odd about... the Iron Giant being used. Like these kind of niche kind of characters, and I don't really know how to put my finger on it because Looney Tunes, like I've always liked Looney Tunes and, you know, being from Milwaukee, I mean, Six Flags is right there. We went to Six Flags probably 15 times growing up and went to Disneyland <laughs> once or Disney World rather once or twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, so I'm I'm more partial to kind of Looney Tunes over Disney in, in, in some ways, in, in many ways. Um, but, but Looney Tunes has its kind of lane, right? Looney Tunes at the height of, of kind of the pop culture height of Looney. Well, there's, I guess, different peaks, I suppose, but like, you know what Looney Tunes is. The Iron Giant was kind of like this niche sort of, I think it was, uh, I'm probably getting the name wrong. It's like Bloom, like the guy, you may not know any of this and I'm probably totally half wrong on this. The art, there's all these kind of clips about, uh, when Disney, the art style for Disney changed and they started just recycling clips in, in the sixties or the seventies mm-hmm. and whenever they started losing money, which is why the aristocrats, which I've never seen looks like Robin hood that the actually, I think pretty good seventies Robin hood or whenever it came out. Um, and whoever the dude was, I think it's Bluth is stuck in my head, but the dude who broke off and made American tale and kind of this, that kind of arts, that art style, that rescuers kind of art style and, um, uh, cell animation style. And, mm-hmm. So to me, Iron Giant is kind of of a piece with that kind. It's just too classy for Looney Tunes to me in a weird kind of way. It'd be like if Fantastic Mr. Fox was running around in the background, too. It's like, oh, that that doesn't quite line up in the same kind of way as like. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's a real small complaint. The one thing I will say, though, as far as watching the trailer. I got to think they have to be smart enough to know. That him needing a team up of. they have, I have to think maybe this is really smart. Like they have a list of his team up and obviously the criticism for LeBron for a decade is he's got to team up with players and all this kind right. of stuff. And that's what the NBA has become. And I, if there is some sort of, the, the way this could eclipse Space Jam 1 or perhaps approach it is just if somehow randomly it's just really smart and meta. Uh, I, I, I'm not predicting that, but... That's the possibility. I mean, you know, they they could just make it a better than it needs to be movie. But, I, you know, obviously I'm dubious. You know, it is funny that, you know, like you said, the narrative about LeBron here is that he needs to join his own super team, even though I don't really necessarily agree with this. We know LeBron can win on his own. That's been proven. But it's just, you know, funny that he goes to L.A. and they get Anthony Davis and all this. It's like, well, it's just unfair if you really think about it. I wonder how many titles... This is kind of going off on a tangent here. I wonder how many titles Giannis 
and LeBron Wooden. Obviously, two very totally like polar opposites players. Just something interesting to think about. But when you think about the scope of the movie here, about LeBron needing to like join a big team here to take down like a uh, behemoth here, it's just you know kind of like poetic justice, in my opinion. It's what would be the comparison now? I used to do this. Um... The first time he he jumped ship and um I was but I was trying to think of like the fair comparison I, off the top of my head it was like the first time LeBron went with Bosch and Wade I was like well that'd be if Jordan left and got with you know basically the, the second best you know mm-hmm. got with the Alonzo Mourning and and you know Penny Hardaway or something like that right. but but I wonder like so the the apples to apples comparison off the top of my head for Giannis leaving. Anthony Davis is kind of too much, but you're kind of going big to small. But if you had to get a wing, it, it'd be – I think it'd have to be better than Tatum, though. I think it'd have to be Giannis – I think maybe Giannis, Luka, Giannis, Luka, and Dame or something like that. I, yeah, I guess maybe know, Dame's a little better than Bosch. I would like to think, you know, with how good Giannis is, like obviously he has flaws. Any Every player has flaws. Even the greatest players of all time have flaws. Michael Jordan had flaws. Kobe Bryant had flaws. Yep. But, you know – if you have a guy like Giannis, you should be able to win a championship if you're putting him next to guys who you think are above average, which is why being a Bucks fan is so frustrating because we've had, you know, Giannis for how many years now? God, it's like we've had him since he was a child. And if you think about it, those kids years were kind of a waste if you think about it, but he's still super young. I think he's a year older than me, which this, you know, just absolutely crazy to think about. Well, hey, don't you don't sell yourself short. You've accomplished some things too. <laughs> well, you know, I <laughs> well comparing, comparing me to Giannis here. You know, I'm a content moderator for Yelp. Giannis, at his age, 26, is already considered one of the best players in the NBA. One of the you know transcendent players I've ever had in the league. But you know, I really do appreciate that compliment here. But but can you do it when it counts? You know, you put me under pressure, you put me under under a quota and a certain like quality assessment score, I'm going to be there. I'll ring the bell. <laughs> there you go, man. I guess oh. that makes me the Giannis of content moderation, if you want to put it like that. Hey, uh, uh, I'm not going to call you a liar. How would I know? I mean, dude, I'm, I'm sure you're, you know, the, I'm sure the great one of <laughs> content moderation. This is running long, but I did want to ask, just because I was going to talk about this, or like, I guess can wait. Did you watch Godzilla vs. Kong? Or do you care about that? You know what? As I'm on vacation right now, I'm here with um, my parents and my little cousins. Um, so my little cousin, he is the middle. He's the middle child. You know, he's all he's been talking about is Godzilla versus Kong. And I've seen on Twitter these memes of like Godzilla versus Kong. Like, I think I, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know if this is a Photoshop or anything. But like, I think it's Kong or Godzilla, like with a Photoshop with a basketball in his hands. And I just think that's hilarious. But no, <laughs> I have not. I have not seen Godzilla vs. Kong. You know, I don't really classify myself as a big movie guy, to be honest with you. Um, but that, I'm not obviously going to talk, you know, bad about a movie I've never seen, of course. But no, I have not seen Godzilla vs. Kong. Will I see Godzilla vs. Kong? Maybe, maybe not. But if we're talking about movies here, my two favorite movies of all time. I know people might think differently here. Anchorman, number one, and Step Brothers. Arguably the most quotable movies of all time. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's a that there's a flaming, flaming, flaming hot take. You might lose followers because of that. I thought you were going to say there's a flaming golden hawk. <laughs> um, the quick. I'll do thirty seconds on Kong. Um, 
everyone came up with the same joke at the same time. I think I was probably going to make that joke and it was already mm-hmm. out there that Godzilla and Kong have like a Martha, a Martha moment, um, a la Batman versus Superman. Um, just big, dumb fun. I do think it's adorable that, that the boy, my son, mm-hmm. um, has been just taught that there should be some great backstory by all these Marvel movies. And so he's just fascinated with like, he wants the backstory of Godzilla versus Kong mm-hmm. and could, could Kong beat him under certain circumstances. And like, I think the, I don't know if this is the screen play that ended up being the one that wasn't rewritten, but like they brought the Thor Ragnarok writer guy to like right. do a treatment or, or I don't know if he started or finished. So they, they try to, it's really dumb. It's, it's Godzilla fighting Kong as as the title suggests and mm-hmm. it delivers, but, um, I don't know. Sort of fun. Sort of fun. <laughs> so anyway, okay. I mean, or don't. I mean, I'm not like saying it's great, but it's it, Godzilla fights Kong. That that's it. It delivers on 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 that. That's all you need to say on that on that aspect. And uh, spoiler alert: uh, Mecha Godzilla shows up in the third act. So so we were gonna talk about, and I don't even have a great title for this, but we wanted to talk about sports themes. Mm-hmm. And um, the Masters is this week. I, I don't okay. want to kind of. Um, we're going to kind of go back and forth. I kind of like this format of doing kind of a three man, but it's just it's just you and me. Mm-hmm. But before we get before we get started, what do you like in a sports network theme? Because that's primarily what we're talking about is kind of kind of studio themes mm-hmm. or you know kind of intro themes, um, transition. But just kind of the big the Monday. I'm sure Monday Night Football is on my list. But like the the that that kind of that kind of sports theme. What what do you like about what 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 um, appeals to you? You know, I do not have Monday Night Football, although that is very catchy. I do have Carrie Underwood's Sunday Night Football intro on my list, but that's just a little sneak peek. But if we're going into Scott Hansen, this poor guy, I mean, he's, you know, in front of a television for God knows how many hours. I don't even want to know how long he has to, you know, hold his, hold his bladder. I mean, this poor guy is just going back and forth to how many games. And, uh, you know, my friends and I, we joke when we're watching NFL runs that this guy must, you know, piss in a bucket. This poor guy, he's going back, you know, he, you have obviously the games that start at 10 a.m. Pacific time, which, you know, I think is just unbeatable if you're talking about fantasy football and NFL start times as a whole. But this is just going back and forth. You have the marquee matchups, and then you just have, you know, the matchup that no one really absolutely cares. He gets two F-Dolphins or the Giants, and this poor guy is just, you know, flashing back to all the action. So for me, I had the NFL Red Zone intro on there just because, you know, once you hear that little, you know, jingle from Red Zone, you see the camera pans to Scott Hansen, like, you know what time it is. I'm going to be on the couch for, you know, six hours, just constantly refreshing, you know, my Yahoo fantasy team, watching Scott Hansen, just listening to the call, just all around, you know, I don't want to sound really basic here, but just the vibes when you talk about NFL Red Zone are just undefeated, never lost. Interesting. I'm not a thousand percent sure I know that one. I haven't had red zone. I think there's a regional thing with red zone too, where some parts of the country get um, Siciliano and some parts get the other. But I haven't had I haven't paid for red zone in about five years. But 
Um, we'll pull that up in post. My number five is, well, actually, you know what? Let's go to Pencil's first. So Pencil um, is from Australia. And so his, his job, or the job that he designated himself to have is to send his wacky Australian list. And I don't recognize all of the ones on his list. So his number five is Tina Turner, 1988, NRL. Seems to be some sort of, it says Tina Turner on YouTube, a rugby league promo. So let's watch that right now. Basically, this is a Tina Turner, almost like a Chippendales commercial. Like, like this is like a beefcakey 1988 rugby advertisement. With, um, there's okay. Well, th here's a little bit of rugby. So we do have some rugby highlights. Finally, basically, this is just like. I mean, straight up the Top Gun volleyball scene. And we have some rugby action and, um, wow, mustaches and men hugging each other and short shorts and this is just incredible. I'm going to kind of love this, so the, the comments at the bottom of YouTube, I'll definitely listen to this again. Uh, Andrew Verdan five years ago amazes me with all the millions of dollars that rugby league can never top this effort from 1989. This was a great advertisement for the game. It was catchy, classy, <laughs> not exactly classy, and appealed to a large audience. Men, women, and children. I'd say it was just, um, well, today the NRL are happy to just appeal to a rough, simpler culture without trying to lift the game fans to the heights of the early 90s. So everybody pines for the early 90s. That's not just the NBA thing. Winfield Cup. The big games never look so good. Um, somebody else. I actually like this better than Simply the Best. It does kind of sound like Simply the Best. Uh, let's see. Tina was living in London and she had no idea about rugby until she was approached by an ad company to do a commercial. After watching a video of the game, she was an instant fan and agreed to record the TV commercial. You learn something every day, I guess. All right, Pencil, your Pencil's kicked off for the rest of the show. If he wants to come on some other point and defend the rest of his picks, we're making that your number. Actually, I don't know if I read your list backwards. Perhaps that was your number one. But but good call. I like the kind of bluegrassy kind of kind of guitar, or at least what I kind of associate with that. It sounds a little bit like Footloose, and what's that? I think it's Dire Straits, that kind of walk of life. It kind of sounds like that. Um, yeah, that Footloose. Not bad, though. Actually, quite catchy. Uh, not quite, um, you know, James Brown living in America or something. And But but I'm really glad I knew that that exists, so thank you very much. And as you can't tell, as I'm vamping because we're having um, some technical difficulties again with Andrew. But So we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that later, and we'll jump right to my number five. Number five for me is 
no-brainer NCAA come on to play some basketball. The NCAA on CBS. We'll notice throughout this list is how many of them. It's almost like there's a differentiation between the guitar solo and the saxophone solo. Or is this kind of guitar, guitar-based network theme, or is it uh, more saxophone-based? Does it have a saxophone rift? And obviously, here comes the guitars. So we probably should have said at the beginning, we're not, at least I'm not into music theory or anything like that. I probably can't intelligently talk about why I like a song except to say that I like it or this evokes, it's evocative of a certain kind of feeling. So this is probably going to devolve into a little bit of the Chris Farley show where we're just saying, that's awesome. This one's awesome too. Yours is awesome. But that's that's totally fine. Um, Andrew, how'd you feel about how'd you feel about the NCAA on CBS? Whatever. Oh, okay, cool. So you want to give us your number four? Number four. You know, uh, Fox Sports Wisconsin, the intro, you know. We are We are Fox Sports. We are Wisconsin. You know, just hearing that after that, just the jingle coming on, you know, it just brings me back flashbacks of high school, um, firing up my laptop, firing up the illegal streams for Bucks games, you know, just really good memories there. Nice, nice. So, so far... So far, you've picked two kind of um, percussive kind of we will rock you uh, type tracks so far. So that's interesting. My number four, uh, keeping with uh, Fox Sports, my number four amongst just mountains and mountains of excellent football choices is um, the NFL on Fox theme. So yeah, pretty great, and it's not um, a coincidence that so many of these vaguely kind of sound like Star Wars. Um, I don't know if those are trumpets or French horns, whatever kind of horn. So it actually, it's probably. I think some of the kind of 70s, kind of 70s, 80s kind of tracks kind of did more of the saxophony, kind of jazzy, the jazzy riff, even kind of the NCAA theme kind of has that jazzy kind of bridge, but just epic. And so there's some real similarity between kind of your epic Lord of the Rings Star Wars kind of kind of corner um, or John Barry kind of scores and what you're getting with the NFL on Fox now this is uh, totally I would say probably my NFC bias um, because obviously the the CBS version is just great the CBS version even hits harder like the CBS version let's find a bit of that like it the, the transitions for that bump up bump 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 it's like like the hardest thing in the world where's the let's, the CBS one
So a little bit of um, Zimmer, a little bit of Pirates of the Caribbean and The Rock in there. Um, it'd be oversimplifying to say that the NFL on Fox sounds a little bit more like John Williams and uh, CBS sounds a little bit more like Zimmer, but, but there it is. What I do think puts the NFL on Fox over the top is the quite excellent Somebody Just um, Blew Out Their Knee soundtrack. I'm already taking up too much time, but Andrew, do you mind if I go on a little bit of a sideways rant about this? Whatever. Cool, cool. So also, I wanted to talk about my first love, uh, my first uh, get home from what you're doing Sunday and, and rush to the TV and watch football, which is the 80s NFL on CBS. And I'm going to play this um, intro package. The intro package is both in the NBA and NFL used to be, it's, it's a lost art, um, kind of setting the stage. Uh, in the era, of course, there were pregames before, but in the era where really what you needed, to, they'd have these great, um, these great, not so much highlight packages, but narrative packages. And I think there was a lot of fawning over kind of the Bob Costas stuff. Um, sometimes there's times where you find somebody who will remix like a Bob Costas finals package and, and put it to whatever LeBron happens to be doing or whatever the Warriors are doing in the finals. And, and kind of remix it. And those are sound of, kind of cool, but it, it's just era specific. So I'm going to play this whole thing. The reason, I mean, I just love it, but the reason I, I notice about a minute, a minute and a half in how similar the kind of upbeats, the kind of techno beats sound to the Rocky and Drago train and Rocky for a bit. So check it out and see if you can kind of hear that. attack of the San Francisco 49ers usually revolves around Jerry Rice, but last week the spotlight shined on unheralded John Frank, whose two touchdowns led them to victory. But that victory was a costly one, as injuries to both Frank and Joe Montana leave the offense in the hands of backup Steve Young. The New York Giants began their season under a dark cloud with the suspension of Lawrence Taylor. But his teammates were true to the challenge Monday night against the Redskins as they battered the world champions with a variety of weapons. And now with a key victory tucked away, the Giants must respond to another demanding challenge this afternoon. It was a playoff game two years ago when Joe Montana was pounded into submission by the Giants. A bad memory the Niners hope to erase Do you hear it? It, it might just be me. And now, with a key victory tucked away, the Giants must respond to another demanding challenge this afternoon. Either way, it's, at least to me, it's the more you can have your network theme sound like one of the Rocky movies, the more I'm going to be in on it. 
but there is kind of this intersection. As a matter of fact, Andrew, do you do we have time to talk about one more thing? I, I can't keep this going anymore. Obviously, Andrew's having some te some technical difficulties. He he um he emailed me the rest of his picks. He's he's in Mexico, but don't try to rob his house by the time you hear this, he'll be back. So whatever. Um, it's a dumb gag anyway. I can't keep this going. One more thing. So a similarly weird thing that almost made my list. I mean, look, the list is just an excuse to talk about whatever we want. I guess but I'm still on number four. But the, the 90s, the mid-90s NFL on NBC theme, there was kind of, I'm not sure. It's a very unique thing. It, it seems like a recycled kind of theme. I feel like I hear it sometimes on golf or tennis uh, broadcasts. Um, created by Randy Edelman in 1995, the YouTube comments are very helpful here. People in the comments say things that are really true. It sounds like Dick Enberg and all this kind of stuff. It sounds like those kind of broadcasters of that time period. But it kind of sounds like a Christmas song. Um, one comment down here says... Now this part to me just sounds like Marcus Allen busting through a hole against the Chiefs, it just does. Now, this to me is where it gets a little Christmassy or has a certain romantic yearning quality. Um, almost the old Hollywood kind of sound. of the NBC presidential song, the NBC news song, and like a Disney song all together. And so this this sticks because they didn't play it that long, but yet um, it still sounds like all these other NBC tracks. Andrew, what's your number three? Like I said, Carrie Underwood, Sunday Night Football. You know, Sunday Night Football really is appointment television, in my opinion, you know, me being a big football fan. I don't have a favorite football team. I play a lot of fantasy football, so I root for different players. So I'm always tuning in on Sundays. And when I think of Carrie Underwood, my parents and I, we would always watch American Idol before it turned really crappy. So I believe Carrie Underwood was on American Idol around 2007, and she's one of my bigger celebrity crushes. So I think, you know, I might be a little biased on there. I'm, you know, if you're listening to this, you might be surprised I don't have her higher. But number three, I do have Carrie Underwood Sunday Night Football. Yeah, good call. I guess what I didn't know or never noticed about this is how many different remix versions as I was perusing the different versions of this song. I just guess in my head it was only one. It was just the, the classic. I, I think perhaps 
on breaks on Sunday night. They just do kind of the kind of guitar riff, the, the kind of Sunday night guitar riff that I feel like maybe that's a little bit more uniform, but it looks like every year they do kind of a different version of this. And there was obviously there was the Faith Hill and the. I never really. The Hank Williams, whether Hank Williams Jr. is problematic or not, that, that was always the worst. That, that, I always wanted the Hank Williams to be to be better. That I mean, obviously that wasn't my demo, but it was always just kind of like, can't we make this a little bit better? So yeah, my number three is one shining moment. Um, the Luther the Luther version. Other versions are good. Um, well, some some are pretty awful, but the Luther the Luther version is the gold standard. Um, there's not a whole lot to say. I use it for many videos. I use it for Bucks uh, recap videos or playoff videos. Just the height of all that kind of schmaltzy college stuff uh, uh, really look it's, it's one shining moment it's, it's one shining moment you know what it is just how hard you worked but now it shows in one shining moment it's all on the line in one shining moment they're frozen If you're editing and want to make your own one shining moment type video, that kind of part we just passed, like, I don't know if that's a piano, electric piano solo, whatever that is, that is a nice place because it's one moment frozen in time to do a slow-mo. Somebody's uh, head getting dunked on, that's a good place for that. I also like, you know, when he goes to the break, Luther hits kind of that mid-high note, and that's the point where both my videos and certainly the, the ones that college basketball makes, that's when you go to the buzzer beater montage. And so that's kind of always fun. So when we're doing it for the NBA playoffs, you have to kind of see how many buzzer beaters are worthy. Sometimes there's like nine of them. You have to cut some out or kind of uh, creatively edit around it. And sometimes there's only a couple and then it's a little bit um, easier or you have to stretch. But um, you're always kind of saving the buzzer beaters for that kind of two thirds in buzzer beater montage. Gets it right back to Giannis. Kicks it. Three-pointer up. Brockton. Yes, oh. it goes! Malcolm Brockton! Gonna get the shot here. Gets it in. Middleton for the tie. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness! Chris Middleton! Out to Bledsoe. Brockton. Three from the corner. Got it! This is where you show crying cheerleaders or dudes dapping each other up. Cause inside you know. Now that horn right there is kind of your signal to transition to the finals of the championship game. Bum, 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 and it's transitioning to this and then you show what happened and the, the, I'm assuming the producers or editors, that's when they kind of put together a lot of first half highlights and then kind of the highlights of what happened in the game. It's probably easier for them obviously if the game's a blowout. But this little bit is just sewing the championship game. And then, you know, highlight, 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 you know. And then the last little bit is like rapid fire, highlight, highlight, highlight. One shining moment. And, you know, obviously the, the best version of that is like some ball bouncing on the rim. Um, it, it's a wonderful song for editing. It's got highs and lows and, you know, Luther's the man. Even that twinkle part right there is kind of evocative of like a soft... Um, unfocusing on a trophy or on a group of people cutting down the nets or whatever it is. It's just kind of it, it just a classic song. So, Andrew, what's your number two? I have number one being one shining moment for the NCAA basketball tournament. I mean, that might be just the most basic choice out of all. But, I mean, how could you just deny that being number one on any list? I feel like that's really self-explanatory. 
Number two, I have Round Ball Rock by John Tesh. That was originally the NBC intro theme song. Just one of the most catchiest jingles of all time, in my opinion. Fire away. All right, ready to do this? Yes, I am. All right, two, three, four. Ba, 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 basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna dunk it. Ba, 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 basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna dunk it. Yeah. Ba, 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 basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna dunk it. Ba, 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 basketball, give me. Woo! All right, now that's how you do it, Dave. I was just getting hot. You are in such good voice today, buddy. Thank you, brother. Wow, I mean, that was great, guys, but you know what I was wondering? Is there any way we can hear So it it's getting kind of late where I'm at. There's so much we could say about Round Ball Rock. Obviously, it's just the greatest basketball theme ever. They really never should have messed with it, and I don't understand the rights issue. That Whatever. It's a classic. It's a classic for a reason. I'm going to play just a little bit of kind of the, um, I won't play the the John Tesh at, at Red Rocks, whatever that is, which is also just intentionally and unintentionally hilarious, um, where he kind of pantomimes bouncing a basketball to start. Maybe I will play that all, I don't know. But I, I do want to kind of highlight the kind of um, guitar and violin solo that's kind of in the middle bit, which wasn't always a part of the NBA uh, broadcast as a transition piece, but it's it's... Again, just an excellent kind of fun guitar riff of that time. I'll play that a little bit. so good and listening to that makes me think i might have screwed up my number one but uh my number one is the classic 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 abc monday night football we're gonna wrap up the show right here just a great song that kind of has different sections again and kind of builds and builds and builds and uh tension and release so we'd like to thank our guest andrew goodman of brew hoop uh give him a follow he may shoot he may or may not want it but i really appreciate him being kind of a 
a trooper with kind of all the technical difficulties we had remote. We'd like to thank uh, Ben Sewell, Pencil, 2219223.14, Ben Sewell. We'll get him on. We'll get you on again later, dude. And, man, that that Tina Turner song was actually uh, really good. What else? Uh, T-shirts, merch, uh, stickers, hoodies um, are all out with the kind of monopolized uh, Tetonia world. It's a good response to that. Uh, if you would like to buy a shirt and you do not know how, check the Instagram or the Twitter or send out a message because we can make that happen. Other people sent their lists. Um, Kirkham said uh, CBS basketball intro during the 80s. Another really good one of that kind of similar CBS style. Uh, Benzino, his list, um, his list was Fox NFL Sunday, Sunday Night Football on NBC, ABC Wild Water Sports. We forget the thrill of victory, agony of defeat. Totally uh, whiffed on that one. Uh, CBS March Madness and the Monday Night Football, the classic one on ABC. So we appreciate that. Kyle Carr also mentioned uh, the NCAA theme, which of course is a great one. Derek Ledoux at DLish04. Um, his number one was the Olympic Fanfare, Bugle, Bugler's Dream and Olympic Fanfare. And a really good one. Number two, Round Ball Rock. Number three, again, the 80s on CBS theme came up again. Uh, number four, the Monday Night Football theme. And five, 90s Wimbledon theme, which I've looked up four times and kind of, it's just forgetful to me in my head, but doesn't mean it isn't good. And somebody else also mentioned the, the Fox Sports. We are Fox Sports. We are Wisconsin. Uh, I, I think I'm probably missing some of that just just because I tend not to watch it on Fox Sports regardless, but it, pe- people learn their feelings about that. Well, in, in in uniform news, I do, I do kind of find it interesting that people um, don't seem to care about the Bucks uniforms, but they sure are mad about American family. So I guess people, I mean, people get to pick and choose what they care about. Anyway, I might have missed a couple. We'll get, get you back next time. Appreciate all of you supporting all the podcast continues to experience exponential growth it wouldn't be possible without you so tell a friend and give me those itunes reviews please retweet follow etc and we will catch you next time and don't forget go bucks (laughs)